The Money Show. Other people's money. Tonight, the turn of Vuyani Jahana, senior executive of Vodacom, when he gave that up and uh, went to join SAA as chief executive, and he escaped from that to form his, I say escaped, but he can tell us in his own words, to form Elita Telecommunications, uh, a, a, a business to designed to, to deliver affordable internet into underserviced areas. And it's, how long has it been since SAA, Buyani? It's been about five years now. Yeah, no, 20, 2019, probably getting into just three and a half years. Yeah, close to four years, actually. I saw you quite soon after you left, and you looked like you'd been six rounds with Mike Tyson. You were <laughs> about two or three months after, you were exhausted. <laughs> you weren't ready to talk yet. You were yeah, kind of the cupping cap. <laughs> PTSD was, was, was very much um, center of, front and center of what you'd experienced there. It was tough, I'm sure. Yeah, look, actually, it, 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 was, it was tough, but uh, the job itself was quite tough in the, in the sense that uh, we're saving a, an airline that was ailing. Uh, all we needed is to make sure that all stakeholders are facing the same direction. And I think for, for a while we got that right, but I think wheels came off and it became clear to me that unless we're all aligned around saving the airline, uh, we are not going to succeed. And obviously... You must have the wisdom to see things that are not going to work uh, from those that will work. And that's why I decided to leave. And obviously, when I left, I opted not to, to do running commentary because of, of yeah. the difficulties that SA was undergoing. My heart remained at SAA. It's many ways. It's with the people of SAA today. But uh, life goes on. We move on. Yeah. Now, it was such a lovely airline. I mean, I, I, I would choose it in those days, despite the boardroom shenanigans and trouble. I mean, I just, I, I, I trusted the pilots, I trusted the crew. Um, it was a great experience. The flights were on time. It was a good service. It really was. Unfortunately, it was betrayed uh, by members of its own board. And um, yeah, the, the rest of, as they say, is history on that particular front. We learn positive things in our work experiences. We learn what we shouldn't have done. I mean, do you, do you regret leaving Vodacom for SAA or do you think you came out of it perhaps a bit more worldly wise, I don't know, changed in, in a good way perhaps at all? No, no, actually, not at all. I, I, I don't regret uh, yeah, going to SAA because firstly, I didn't go to SAA for a job. I mean, no one in his mind take a 50% <laughs> salary cut uh, and, uh, and then he thinks that you're going to a job. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. So I mean, it, it, it was a purpose-driven decision that you that that you took. It was a purpose-driven decision, and and you still with us, Fuyani? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yes, uh, it was a purpose-driven decision, and uh, I have no regrets. Uh, my only regret is going in and coming out, not having saved the airline when I thought actually. Uh, the business case was always marginal. It was clear, and I told the board that the business case is marginal, but the, the, the alternative was almost too painful to contemplate in the sense that we're very clear that uh, to liquidate the airline, the government would look at north of 35 to 40 billion rands just to unwind the debts and obligation because all of them were guaranteed by the state. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you could just liquidate and say, well, take 10 cents in the rent. So, well, when the, obviously that's one. The second thing it was the downstream and upstream effect on the economy, 
but most importantly was uh, South Africa possible losing its, its, its position of hegemony as a gateway to the continent. I think today uh, we pro probably the, the, the fund managers and those who are looking at investing in different parts of the continent are well placed to sit in Dubai, Qatar, or Frankfurt, because you can enter the continent a lot more easy from outside the continent. Yet yeah. uh, uh, SAA played a much more bigger role for South Africa as a gateway to Africa. And I think this, that's the big mission that uh, were some of the things that made me to sign up to say it's, it plays a bigger role. And uh, to the extent that the board believed that I could, I could, I could assist and I felt I would contribute to the country. But yeah, so I have no regrets. I think there are a lot of lessons. My only pain is is coming in and coming out without saving the airline. When I actually thought that if we all acted together in unison and focus on the goal, we could have, tough as it was, we could have saved it. Um, Mark Barnes the other day tweeted um, that he regretted leaving the post office when he did four years into his five-year contract because in leaving, um, he allowed the, the crooks back in again um, because he'd kept them at bay for a period of time. He'd taken, he'd gone from three and a half billion rand in, in debt and he uh, tidied up the balance sheet and now the post office back three and a half billion rand in debt and it's another catastrophe the government's got to bail out. Do you have a regret at leaving or are you convinced that it was the right thing to have done? Yeah, that, look, it, it was the right thing because I didn't believe that... Uh, the shoulder, and when I speak the shoulder, I'm not talking personalities. I'm talking government in 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 sure. unison. That talks to uh, Minister Pravin, Minister Boweni, and the presidency, uh, who were the actual ultimate shoulders of the airline. Uh, had everyone acted together, together with my board, I thought that uh, we had a, we had a chance, small, little as it was, thin chance as it was, had a chance to save the airline. So from a point of view that I didn't leave because the job was just difficult. I just left because I, I felt there was um, not much alignment around yeah. prioritizing uh, saving an ailing airline. I think we all treated the, the, the airline as if uh, it's a no normal government department that can survive tomorrow. Yet I was seeing a ticking time bomb which I played all the tricks to actually save it. But in government, you, you don't have the leeway. Uh, you are bound by the rules until the principals who control the rules understand that this is a, this is a, a ICU case. Therefore, we have to take an orthodox decision. So from a living point of view, I have no regret for the job, but I do, I do look back and worry about what it became. I think COVID found SAA already... Uh, on a on a slippery slope. Oh, yeah. That uh, was gone. So, yeah. so, so that's my only regret. Yeah. Mm. But you moved on. I mean, you've got uh, backing with uh, two development finance institutions. You've got Microsoft on board, and you've created a uh, an affordable internet access business. I mean, a broadband business essentially. Uh, I think the first uh, the first rollout was in Mdansane uh, near East London. What is uh, what have you done in terms of rolling out Elita te uh, Telecommunications? I, I think uh, uh, the the big thing that uh, all of us needs to understand is that the the townships and the rural areas are uh, highly underserved in terms of broadband. I talk about quality of broadband as well as affordability. 
and yeah. the, the the business the construct of the of the telecom sector works on long-term tenure you sign a 24 months contract then you get huge discounts then if you're unprepared you buy bulk of uh, gigs of data then you get a lowest unit cost but then if you look at township people and rural people they don't have the capacity to enter into long-term contracts nor do they have the financial wherewithal in terms of liquidity to buy bulk gigs of data effectively they're getting the worst service at the highest price they can pay because the hand-to-mount market. So what we're then seeking to do is to provide super-fast broadband at affordable rates into, into the township in order to actually deal with the inequality that is continues to continuously being perpetrated by lack of digital inclusion So in, in the country and in the continent. So what we've done, we've focused on fiber to the home in the townships, and then we've got an array of technologies, fixed wireless access, uh, in the in the rural clusters and very remote areas, back some of it will be backhauled through satellite, others will be backhauled through fixed wireless radio network uh, to the extent that it's feasible to do so. So that's what we're doing: providing internet, low cost, super fast to the people who have never experienced that kind of service before. And and it's it's revolutionary, and it has the power to fundamentally change lives. I mean, for anybody who is sort of listening to you and going, yeah, what's the big deal about that? They haven't travelled internationally and have switched off their data roaming and have suddenly arrived in a foreign country and have not been able to access the internet on their phones. Suddenly, to realise it's like waking up and forgetting to put on your trousers. Um, you you sort of go out feeling very vulnerable um, when you can't access something as simple as data on your phone. Something that we in cities might regard take for granted, uh, but where, where where these communities are are severely disadvantaged because the investment just hasn't happened in these areas because it's not been deemed to be profitable. Is your purpose to be profitable, or is this done on a sort of a grants basis and uh, and done on a more altruistic basis? No, no. This is this is a, a solid business. Uh, it's, it's got its own shareholders who continue to raise capital uh, to. And when you raise capital to investors, you must give them a return on investment. From, an in, from a returns point of view, it's solid business. Uh, at the same time, it's huge on social impact because you're driving affordability. What we are looking for from an investor point of view is what we call impact investors. We're looking for patient capital, those who are not compromising on the level of returns, but I prepared to take a little bit longer, medium to long-term view in terms of the timing of those returns. That allows us to price the product for success and be able to be more inclusive and leave no one behind in terms of connecting the homes in the township. And uh, I think if we, if I look at what's happening, we find old devices in the township. Some of them have not updated Chrome for 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 long time because mm. the cost of data is high. So we just bring the township back into the standard of the level of software and you start to get the people in the township to interact a lot more with the with the internet and then begin to access free education portals which they were not able to do before so so that's what we're doing it's a commercial business sound returns solid return on investment financial but big on social and social impact we're talking this evening to Buyani Jahana, the uh, former CEO of SAA, previously at Vodacom, nowadays the founder at Elita Telecommunications. In a moment, we get on to the juicy bits of personal finance and how he manages money and good investments and bad investments, the usual stuff. In a moment with Buyani Jahana.
The Money Show. Other people's money. Buyani Jahan is our guest this evening. Are you a disciplined individual in your own right when it comes to managing family money? You've had high level, profi- high profile, um, well paying jobs for a while. Have you been, um, have you been good about it, or have you been like many, going, ah, I'll sort it out soon. I've just got to, you know, run this company, run this business, do this job. Often, um, we neglect our own affairs at the expense of the job that has to be done. Yeah, look, I, I think, Professor, I would say I've been I've been fairly disciplined because uh, that's what uh, has enabled us to be able to to start up the the Elita Telecoms is being able to to dip into into your savings, whether it's in portfolio of investment in shares, and able to redirect that to to this kind of investment. But also, when you are out of job for three to four years, and therefore. By far, then you have to rely on what you've built over a period of time until uh, a project that does take off, which I think we are at that point now where we are on the verge of a very good takeoff, given because we've had to bootstrap the, the project through our own investment, putting our own money in it. In a way, I think uh, it's, not a, it's not a bad job I've done, So I, I think. How I mean, do you convince your family that this is a good idea? Because you could have gone into the corporate world. You could have gone and got yourself a CEO job. You could have gone into the non-executive space and sat on five or six boards and been perfectly well paid without having to, to risk the family fortune. Uh, yet this is the route you've taken, which is, uh, you know, we need more and more of, of course, because we need more people to start more businesses to have real purpose and make a difference in the world. But you could have done it differently. Why did you choose this path? Yeah, look, I've always, I've always wanted to create something, uh, especially something that is more transformational. I also have worked on the companies I've worked for. I mean, largely Vodacom. To be honest, with you, I've worked for many companies, Vodacom and then SAA. The the choices of where I would, uh, I chose to work was organization that I I knew that I could deliver a much more bigger social impact, leveraging its balance sheet was delivering value for shareholders. I mean, if you look at what we did at Vodacom, we created a lot of products and services that were very transformational, whether it's in agriculture, whether it's in healthcare. At the time where uh, it was still very early days that anyone, any telco in Africa would think that way. But all this, we saw the opportunity to actually transform society whilst retaining, uh, giving shareholders a good return on investment. And SAA was, uh, as I said, was a big call around uh, how do we rescue the airline and also how do we uh, transform uh, the, the aviation sector. That was a big mission ahead. So lots of lot of it driven by purpose, but with a strong commercial lever uh, on it, if you like. So so I've always wanted to create something, especially in the in 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 an industry who's where my DNA sits in telecoms and seeing what what I see uh, that there's more to be done in bringing digital inclusion. Mm-hmm. So I thought would get into this investment. Fortunately, the family supported the mission. And uh, I think uh, we, go, we you go through pain and difficulties because going into this road is not an easy, especially, especially you know, Bruce, the, the big thing in, in South Africa for, for entrepreneurship, especially for black people, if I may put it this way, mm-hmm. is this whole notion of equity. I mean, you would know black people break into democracy with no economic base. Yep. But all of a sudden, you must yep. have this money to actually invest, to create, to back your own idea. So there, there is no, there is no clear structured 
fund that looks at black, backing these ideas in a in a structured way. So so you have to you have to risk it all sometimes, and uh, then obviously the family back the, the idea because it's not like I was going to fishing or agriculture. <laughs> I was going to an industry that I was born in. So yeah, so exactly. Have a bit of confidence. And that, and that ability to back yourself and for your family to back you, I think, is is massively significant. Um, what's the best investment you've ever made, other than the, this current one, which you know I'm sure that it will uh, it will give you the returns you need into the future. But up until now, in terms of a mainstream investment, have you bought a piece of art or a, a crypto coin of some description that sort of uh, made more money than you ever imagined possible? Have you ever gone that way, or are you no, more no. conservative? No, no, I'm more conservative, Bruce. Uh, uh, th- those kind of exotic investments, uh, I'm, I, I shy away from them. I go for a straight portfolio of, of uh, listed uh, shares, and uh, I, I focus on on stable but high growth sectors where uh, I can I can make up to one of my biggest my biggest exposures always been in telecoms, so so to speak. So because a, a sector I know better, so I'm not I'm not the one who takes the bets at that level. So I look for more stable and uh, and and push through. But you, you're quite a conservative guy. So, I mean, do you ever spend in excess? Do you ever treat yourself, treat your family to something outrageous, something a little bit wild, perhaps a holiday that against your better judgment, you're going to spend the money on anyway because, damn it, it's exhausting and we need to connect again or whatever the case might be? Yeah, look, I think, uh, Bruce, at the time before... Uh, before the SAA move, uh, so a lot was possible. So we would do that. I would do the trips uh, when I was still at Vodacom. But obviously, once you move out, uh, already you take uh, sacrifice for society. So you have to start uh, constraining the things that you can do in order to do a bit of preservation to see through the project. And then obviously, you come out of SAA, then you get to a bigger kind of decision of saying, well, I'm not going to take corporate jobs, you just make yourself unavailable to the market, and then starting to work on this kind of project. So so that that changes the, the dynamic. But generally, in the past, yeah, it was not a difficult thing to do. Because uh, keep in mind that when you are in corporate as a top executive, the, a lot of your time is mortgaged by the work that you do. So your family, of course, everyone talks about work-life balance, which you always aspire too. But generally, you're mortgaged by the corporate. So you have to have the opportunity for, for, for the family uh, at the time and then be able to do things with them. So, so it, we used to do that in the past, and I, think, I still think that we can still do more uh, in the future. Wonderful. Buyani Jahana, thank you for chatting this evening. The former CEO of SAA, former senior executive at Vodacom, and the founder at Elita Telecommunications. Thanks for sharing.